This is Cruise Radio. In these winter months, consider TripInsurance.com to cover your next cruise investment. Buy direct from the leading insurers and save up to 40% or more on comparable plans from the other sites. Get a quote today and save from TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio, a review of Norwegian Getaway this week. Also, Sherry Laskin is linking up with us. She is on the road, but we're still going to try to link up with her. So if her connection is not that great, you know why. Our Cruise Radio YouTube channel really doing some uh, good things over there. Well, I mean, I say good things. I have a couple of tours up there, um, and they might be bad. You tell me. But that's uh, a tour of Carnival Miracle, which is a really cool ship. Um, has some really wild and just far out public spaces. Also have a tour of Carnival Freedom on there as well. Check that out at the Cruise Radio YouTube channel. Also our Cruise Radio News Daily Quick Hits of the News. Find that where you listen to your favorite podcast. Just type in Cruise Radio News. All right, Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News. Hi, Sherry. Hi, Doug. Norwegian Cruise Line now has another ship on the West Coast. Yes, they do. And in case someone isn't familiar, the Norwegian Joy joined the fleet in 2017, and it's a sister ship to the Norwegian Bliss. But where it's going to go now is this year, Joy is going to cruise Alaska from May through September. This is a busy, busy schedule for the Joy. And after the Alaska season's over, it's going to do two Panama Canal cruises from L.A. to Miami and back again. The ship will stay in Los Angeles through the spring of 2020, so that's a long stint doing Mexican Riviera cruises. Then the ship will go back up to Alaska, you know, in the season of 2020. And then after that, the ship is going to do a Panama Canal cruise and stay in the Caribbean. And then 2021, um, the ship's actually going to do Bermuda cruises from New York City. It's all that's been um, dictated so far. This seems like it's one of those kind of fill-in-the-gap ships. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's going to just pick up. And maybe they're testing to see, you know, testing the market to see how each one does Mm -hmm. on this uh, class of ship, too. Disney Cruise Line introduces, they've had Captain Mickey for a while, but a new captain now. This is really cute. I mean, I think so anyway. But Disney Cruise Line announced that a new onboard character, this is going to be Captain Minnie, will join the fleet this month. The intention is really to raise awareness about maritime opportunities for women. So instead of just always Captain Mickey, now there's Captain Minnie. There's going to be new youth programming on board also, and we'll have a focus on STEM skills for both boys and girls. Captain Minnie is going to be involved in, you know, they're going to extend this shoreside learning, um, and it's going to include scholarships to a maritime academy in the Bahamas. And then uh, Ports of Call or Disney's home ports, they're going to have Captain Minnie or Another female officer or maybe a crew member is going to go to make on-site school visits. So they're really doing a, a lovely outreach program, too. And, you know, hopefully this will get more women, young girls, to follow a path to um, a maritime career. Yeah, Captain Kate now, which is she's moving to Celebrity Edge this uh, fall, and Virgin's going to have a female captain. And then so many, I mean, you're seeing so many female officers these days, too. I know Carnival has two of them on a ship I was just on. Yeah, I mean, if you're not following Captain Kate on Instagram, you should follow her. She's really good. (laughs) Yeah. This next story, too sick to work, but well enough to cruise. Up in my neck of the woods here in Chicago, this uh, came from the Chicago Sun-Times, and apparently... Employees at the Office of Emergency Management, these are the people that handle your 911 calls for the city of Chicago, 
They were caught using medical leave time, not to be sick, but to spend their time on cruise ships. So the department, you know, they were they were a little bit curious what was going on, and they started an investigation. They even checked some spending habits of the group that were supposedly on medical leave, and they found that some weren't really sick, but they went horseback riding, signed up for a booze cruise shore excursion, and a whole lot more. So bottom line is, of the four employees who claimed medical leave, three were fired and the fourth one quit. Unless they were spending government money, why would they track their spending habits? That's kind of invasion of privacy, wouldn't you think? Um, yeah, but this was, it is a, um, I guess, a local government office, and to claim medical leave but not um, be sick, I guess, is probably some kind of an offense, and yeah. they got caught doing it. And, you know, it, and maybe they ran out of their personal, the PTO or whatever, um, and or vacation days, and this was, the, you know, it's all they had left to get on these cruises. And it looks like probation violations land Carnival Corporation in some hot water. Yeah, and, and just a little backstory about this. It's been a, just about a year since many ships across the Carnival Corporation fleet were convicted of dumping an oily wastewater into the ocean. And then they lied to regulators and falsified forms all about the incidents. So now they're on probation, but they still continue the illegal activities. And according to the Miami Herald, documents indicate that there have been over 800 incidents over the past 12 months. This is while they're on probation, 24 of which involved illegally dumping sewage, food waste, or oil. Um, and oddly enough, um, some of the other offenses involved furniture accidentally going overboard, which Carnival says was, you know, partially due to passengers dumping furniture. I don't know. The judge, her name is Patricia Seitz, she released these documents to the public and continues to monitor the situation. And because of the violation, she's also threatened to temporarily block the company's 105 ships from docking at any U.S. port if her concerns are not addressed. Well, that's not really good news, is it? Put a kibosh on a lot of cruises. Judge Seitz was so incensed by all this that she admitted she regretted not being able to send Arnold Donald, as well as Carnival Corporation Chairman Mickey Arison, to jail. I mean, that's really pretty intense. So we'll see how this plays out. There's uh, another hearing coming up soon, and I guess with the documents being public, we'll know what's going on. Yeah, they're, if they're violating probation and they're still dumping crap in the ocean, yeah. I mean, it definitely deserves more than a hand slap, like big fines. But I also think that pulling the crew, you know, stopping these ships from docking in U.S. ports, that's going to cause a lot of disruption to the local economies and local tax dollars. That's what I was just thinking, too. All the people that spend in, in uh, you know, pre and post cruises in, the, in these ports around the U.S., it would be a huge loss of income. But, you know, I, I you know, it's it's like, you know, who do you punish? Yeah, no, I mean, you should, you should totally, if yeah. they're still dumping crap and, I mean, throwing chairs off, okay, I was looking into this report and a lot of those were from drunk passengers throwing crap sure. off. So, yeah, I mean, the cruise line really can't do much about that. But if they're doing it, yeah, um, definitely more than a hand slap. But uh, curious to see what this June hearing is going to say and um, what kind of fate Carnival Corporation will have. And let's see, moving on, our last talking point here. It looks like tourists are warned of a dangerous threat in the Bahamas, and this time it's not crime. No, and, and you know what? This is really nothing new, but it's making headlines again. Cruisers and tourists who are going to the Bahamas 
are warned about traffic-related fatalities caused by erratic drivers, and so they've been warned not to rent bicycles and scooters. And apparently there's been a 29% increase in traffic-related deaths since 2017, so that's, you know, barely two years. Um, this, Like I said, it's nothing new. I remember it must have been about seven or eight years ago, maybe a little more. I was with a, a group on a, it was a, an anniversary cruise for an older couple, and the, the dad rented 12 scooters for all of us, quote, kids to go, you know, around Nassau. So everybody took off, and I had like the, the last little red scooter with literally flat tires, but I didn't know that. So I'm driving down the, the um, towards Paradise Island, and tears are streaming down my face because I couldn't control it, and the cars are zooming by me, you know. So I guess if you're going to, my bottom line on this is if you're going to rent a scooter in Nassau, Pretend that, you know, you're, you're renting a car. Walk around, check the tires, and even do a short little test drive if you can. Uh, wear a helmet and be sure to have, what do we always say, travel insurance. Mm. So, yeah, just be careful. Like I said, nothing new, but now it's making headlines because there have been so many new traffic-related deaths from this. Listener question this week comes from Kristen. If you have one, drop me a line, Doug, at cruiseradio.net. How far out does Faster to the Fun go on sale for Carnival Voyages? We are sailing in December 2020, and it's not an option yet. Yeah, you know, I looked into this, Kristen, and um, I did find that on the Carnival website, Faster to the Fun is open on sale dates through 2020 um, in nearly all of Carnival's home ports. So, Maybe December is so, you know, maybe it's still 2020 and it should be there. But I would check, you know, every couple of weeks and check in. It's offered in all of Carnival's home ports in Baltimore, Charleston, the Florida ports, Texas, Mobile, New Orleans, etc. So um, you should be able to find it very soon if it's not already listed there. And um, just a quick note, as I was researching this, Faster to the Fun is not offered on Carnival Journeys departures, despite the fact that they depart from, you know, these home ports that I just mentioned. It's also not good in Europe or on cruises from the home ports of Honolulu, Norfolk, and um, Vancouver. So if maybe one of those ports is where you're sailing from, and that's why you couldn't find it. But uh, good news, when Carnival Panorama uh, comes to Port Canaveral, it will be offered there February of 2020, and uh, so it goes. But yeah, check that pretty soon. And just another note that I learned, which, and this was new to me too, um, you only pay per stateroom. So if you have four people in one stateroom, you just buy one faster to the fun ticket, all occupants are covered. Prices are subject to change and may vary by ship. Yeah, I was going to say it is capacity controlled, so it could be sold out as well, because I know a lot of people like to jump on that to get on the ship first. Well, the perks are great. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was looking through it. And, and oh, also, you can get to that. Um, just once you're, once you're signed up, go to Shore Excursions, and then there's a link for Faster to the Fun, and you choose your home port, and, and that's where you would find it. Been talking with Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com. Thank you, Sherry. Thanks, Doug. We know you can't go on every single cruise. So we do it for you. Find over 200 ship reviews and money-saving tips at cruiseradio.net or search Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio. Every day, thousands of cruisers set sail to the Caribbean and are increasingly choosing their shore excursions through CruisingExcursions.com. Why Cruising Excursions? With prices up to 60% lower than cruise lines, around-the-clock customer service, and guarantees that give you a peace of mind, why not? 
So whether you're looking to zip line in Jamaica, snorkel in Nassau, or see Mayan ruins in Mexico, market-leading specialist CruisingExcursions.com has you covered. Book your family's next shore excursion at CruisingExcursions.com. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at cruiseradio.net. Richard just returned from a four-night cruise aboard Norwegian Getaway out of New York City, and he joins us on the line to talk all about it. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. Thanks for having me. I feel like you were just on the show. What were you doing? Norwegian Gem uh, Review? I did. I, I had My cruises are usually about six months apart, but this time I did a 10-day, came home and was here for, I think, three weeks, and then did the four-day on Getaway. It was the Gem on the 10-day and then the four-day on the on the getaway. It was weird. I thought the four day would be really short and that it would feel short, but it didn't. And I think that's because I decided in my head that the two weeks in between were just a really long shore excursion. Yeah, nice. So you live in Manhattan. So you make your way to the Manhattan cruise terminal. How was embarkation this time? Because last time you were on, you said you hosted uh, like the meet and mingle party or something like that. So they gave you kind of VIP treatment. Did you get the same this go round? I did not get any VIP treatment this go round, but it was really, really easy because this was a weird sailing. We didn't actually set sail until about seven o'clock and they didn't even start boarding us until I think it was like one o'clock, something like that. Because we knew we weren't sailing until later, um, I knew a couple of people that were going on this sailing. They picked me up. We drove over and we got there, I think we got there around 2.30 or 3 o'clock, and we just walked right on the ship. It was it was incredibly easy. And because the ship had deadheaded here from Miami, all the staterooms were ready and everything. Um, so it, it couldn't have been it couldn't have been smoother. That's right. This was a um, the first sailing for New York City. And because you normally like you're normally the first person at the pier. Yeah, I'm the guy who's there at like 9 a.m. And, and I will sit there and I will people watch the entire time. I don't care. I'm, I'm already on vacation in my head. And I usually spend that time looking around to determine who are the people that you definitely don't want to spend any time with on this cruise because <laughs> they're already sitting in the terminal complaining about things. But this time I did not have the opportunity to do that. So uh, so I did wind up spending some time with people that I didn't necessarily want to because I hadn't seen them in advance. So you make your way on board. Now, I haven't been on Getaway, I mean, since the inaugural, I think. So we're talking like five years, maybe. When you board Getaway, where do you board? It's just like all of the um, breakaway class ships. It's, you know, you board into a hallway. <laughs> it's It does not make the impression that um, like some of the Royal Caribbean ships and definitely the Carnival ships where you enter into an atrium and get that, oh my gosh, moment. No, you enter into a hallway and then you see the, normally you would see the massive people who are all waiting for an elevator but because it was such staggered boarding i mean we boarded over the people boarded over the course of like five or six hours so we didn't have that that was nice but yeah it's not like it makes a big impression you don't enter under one of those gorgeous chandeliers that they have in the middle of the ship you enter into a hallway well once the hallway opened up to wherever it opens up to what were your first impressions my first impressions and this went on for the entire week were oh i'm on the breakaway again it's so incredibly similar to the breakaway. Um, there are little differences which mess you up because you think you know where things are because I've done the breakaway like five times and you go there and are like, oh crap, it's different on this ship. But it's very, 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 very similar to the breakaway. What kind of differences are there? 
You know, it's really little differences. It's like, for example, on the breakaway, the Manhattan room is my favorite main dining room. Here they call it the Tropicana room. And, you know, little things like that. There are just, it's, it's very, very minor differences. Nothing that, you know, you would probably be hard-pressed if you were placed blindly on one of them. You might be hard-pressed to figure out, you know, which one it was unless you knew the venue names really well. Like, for example – one of the bars on getaway is called the sunset bar and it's called something else. I don't remember what on breakaway, but other than that, like they are, they are pretty much the same ship. You go to your room. What kind of cabin did you book? And tell us about the cabin experience because this is like, you did a, was this a bidding thing you did? Yeah, I did. There was a lot of things about this cruise that were a first time for me. It was my first time on getaway. It was my first time doing a four-day sailing. It was the first time going to Bermuda. And it was the first time that I've ever participated in the bidding process. So I had booked an inside room um, that I got comped through the casino. And I really didn't want an inside room, but I was like, it's only four days. If I, you know, if I end up in an inside room, that's okay. And I decided to place a bid. I tried for a balcony and I tried for a spa balcony. And the way it works on NCL is if you get an email saying, you know, inviting you to bid, it's usually for like two or three cabin classifications higher. So like if you're an inside room, you're not going to get an invitation to bid for the Haven, but you will get for um, the next two levels up. There's a little meter that tells you whether your bid is, you know, poor, good, fair, or excellent. You can bid whatever you want, and then you wait, and you don't know. You have no control where you're going to end up. All you are guaranteed is if your bid is accepted, you know you're going to be in, you know, whatever stateroom you category you bid in, but you have no clue where you're going to be. You know, it can be a real crapshoot. You could end up underneath a disco or on top of a nightclub. You know, you just you just don't know. In this case, it worked out great. I placed a pretty low bid. I think I think my winning bid was $75, which doubles because it's per person double occupancy. So even though I'm traveling by myself, it's still it's considered double occupant. So so it was $150 and I was I was bumped up to an ocean view room. But when I looked to see on the deck plan what kind of room it was, it wasn't just an ocean view. It was a forward-facing ocean view. Nice. So it had this gorgeous porthole that overlooked um, the front of the ship. It was an incredible, incredible room. I couldn't have been happier. For my first ocean view, I was really spoiled. So the upgrade ferry, um, go back to that for a second, or mm-hmm. not the upgrade ferry, the bidding process. But do you think this killed the upgrade ferry? I do. I don't think you're going to see a lot of people just like, you know, magically going to the to the pier and being told, yes, you know, you've been upgraded. And it can be a nerve wracking process because you might immediately have your um, upgrade accepted. Or like in my case, we were sailing on Tuesday. As of the previous Thursday, my bid had not been accepted. And I knew because I was in a group that a lot of other people's bids had been accepted. So I assumed, oh, maybe I'm not going to get it. Generally, because it was sailing on Tuesday and the office was closed on Saturday, Sunday, I had to get it by Friday. And like three o'clock Friday afternoon, I got that email at the last minute. So literally until two days beforehand, I did not know if I was going where I was going to be on the ship or if I was going to, you know, get an upgrade. So it's for gamblers, really. It's not for people who have to know where they're going to be, who have to know in you know weeks in advance where on the ship they're going to be, because you don't know until the last minute sometimes. And you are a gambler because you got the room comp uh, pretty much. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. how about the room, though? You mentioned it had that nice porthole, but as, as far as space and all of that? 
it was really nice. Now, it's a room that's definitely designed for one or two people. You wouldn't want to put a family in there because it doesn't have a pull-out bed or a couch. Instead, right in front of the big porthole window, which is kind of slanted, there's almost like a dog bed. <laughs> you know, like you could lay there in the sun and take a cat nap. And the rest of the room, because there isn't that that sofa or bed or anything, and because of the way the room is sort of designed, it feels really big, certainly for one person. But I think two people would have no problem in it either. It just was a nice, spacious room, big bathroom. I was really floored. I was very, very, very happy. Does that class of ship have the shower curtain or the glass enclosure? No, no. Glass enclosures, thank goodness. I don't think any of the newer Norwegian ships um, – I'm trying to remember if any of the ships that I've been on with them have even, – even the gem – um, must have had the shower curtains replaced at some point because when I was on the gem in March, it also had the glass door. Thank God. I hate the shower curtains. Yeah. Let's talk about the food on board. Of course, Norwegian is freestyle dining. Eat when you want, where you want, if you make a reservation. Uh, so, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about, you know what? We'll start at the buffet first. The, what do they call that? The Garden View Cafe? I believe it's called the Garden, yeah, the the Garden Cafe. Really nice buffet. It's mirrored on both sides. Sometimes they don't open both sides. Like if it's if it's late in the day and they're sort of transitioning between lunch and dinner, maybe only one side of it will be open. But, you know, typical buffet, they don't do the stations. I have to admit that like on a lot of ships I've done, whether it's Royal Caribbean Carnival, they sort of have separate stations. This is more the traditional buffet with almost like a cafeteria line. And I don't love that because, you know, it makes it a little more difficult if you want to, like, jump in and get something. And you, you really have to kind of, like, stand in line the whole time down, even go through all the vegetarian stuff that nobody really wants. Um, so, but but it, but it's a good selection. It's a, it's a really nice selection. Plenty of seating. There's lots of nice outdoor seating. They open up one of the specialty restaurants usually um, for seating in case, you know, if there's an overflow. So no, no complaints there. Going back to like the buffet area, of course, you, I guess you really don't care for vegetarian options, do you? You know, I think it's lovely that they have it. And actually, I do think I think all cruise lines should have more vegetarian options, um, including in the main dining room. You don't see, you know, a lot of times you get that like one Indian dish that they serve every single night. That's the vegetarian option. Mm -hmm. And I live with a vegetarian. So so I know how important it is to have. And I think more and more people are health conscious and vegetarians. So and, and I will say they had a nice they had a nice, you know, selection of vegetarian stuff aside from just the salad bar. Uh, on Getaway. Okay, so I have to ask you this, and I know you're a huge Steakhouse fan. Cagney's, did you do it this time? I didn't. We were scheduled to do it. We were going to do it the last night. And then one of the people that I was with really set their, um, they sort of set their sights on, they wanted to do Moderno. They had never done something like that, and they really wanted to try it. Um, she was actually from Denmark, and so this was this was something she really wanted to try. So we ended up making that our reservation for the last night. We only did one specialty restaurant. The rest of the week we ate in the main dining room. And I will say this. I usually travel by myself and I have no problem. You know, it's very easy when you travel by yourself to walk up and get a table. It's a little bit more difficult when you're with other people. Now, the way Norwegian does it, and I don't know if all the ships do this because I've never encountered it before, but the way they do it on Getaway, every time I went to make a reservation in advance, I would be offered like 5.30 or 8.30 and nothing in between. Hmm. 
So one day we had an 8.30 or 8.45 reservation, and I wanted to change that to something around 7 o'clock. So I went down to the desk where you can make reservations, and the woman explained to me that they actually only take reservations for 5.30, and then they take them for like, I think it's 8.30, and everything in between is first comes first serve, where they basically give you a pager and say, come back. I did not realize that, um, maybe just because I've never dealt with it before. That said, we had no problem. There was one night where we really thought we would because we wanted to eat at like 6.30. And of course, that's the most popular time. And we went to the main dining room and we're like, hi, can we get a pager? And she's like, you don't need a pager. Just come on in. And we had no problem getting in. So that was nice. How was the service and the food in the Tropicana? I love the Tropicana room. They had a band playing. That was our first night. They had a band playing. Um, the food was fantastic. We we bonded with, there were people at the next table who were sort of like us, like, you know, they, they'd had a few drinks before dinner and they were laughing and we were all having fun. Our service was fantastic. That was a great night. Now we did have, I will say, there are three main dining rooms on Getaway and the Breakaway class ships. There's the Tropicana room, which a lot of people think is a specialty. Uh, and then there's Taste and Savor, which are across from each other and are, you know, a little plainer. They're not quite as impressive to me as Tropicana Room. So the two, one night we ate in the Tropicana Room, two nights we ate in Savor, and then one night we ate in Moderno. The two nights we ate in, Sa in, ate in Savor could not have been more different. The first night we ate in Savor, which was actually the second night of the cruise, was disastrous. I mean – 45 minutes before you got like your drink, um, an hour and a half and maybe your appetizers came. It just, I was sort of bothered by it because, because one of the people we were with, it was the first time she'd ever been on a cruise. And you know, you always, when you're taking somebody who's never been on a cruise, you want them to have a great time. You want them to see why you love this so much. And this did not make a good impression. It was, it was terrible. And so when the next night, we were also eating there. I was like, oh, no, this is going to be a disaster. But the second night, it was the exact opposite. Everything was perfect. All the food was perfect, whereas the night before it had been not so great. It just was an off night, I guess. And, and you know, that happens. We all, we've all experienced it. Yeah, I was going to say, it must have been pretty bad for you to complain about it because you're a pretty easygoing cruiser. Totally. I'm the most easygoing person. I would never like, like, even in this case where the food was not particularly good, I won't send things back usually because I'm like, you know, there's plenty of food on the ship. I'll go find something. I'm very, very, very mellow when it comes to food on ships. But this was, I think it had less to do with the food than it did the service. The service mm -hmm. was just really, really bad. We later determined that it might have been because our server, who was kind of on the older side, was also dealing with a table of like 12 people. And so I have a feeling that sort of created some havoc for him, but it was not good. And a couple of moments ago, you said that your guests wanted to go to Moderno. Is that how you say it? Yeah, Moderno. Okay. It's their um, Brazilian, I can never say that word, church Korea or, sure. I don't know. I always call it cha-cha, the Brazilian cha-cha <laughs> restaurant. Um, and it's one of those places where they have a big salad bar that you start with. And then they come around with swords and they cut, you know, they cut various pieces of meat off of the sword and it's every kind of meat under the sun. I had had not so great experiences at Moderno in the past, so I wasn't necessarily sure that this was what I wanted to do. But, you know, you're with other people and you want to do what they want to do. Turned out to be a phenomenal meal. It was just absolutely the, the service was wonderful. The meats were just I mean, first of all, the salad bar. If you were going to this restaurant with somebody who didn't eat meat, they could live off the salad bar and they'd be perfectly happy. 
but then when they start coming around with the meats, I mean, I mean, it's just every kind of meat under the sun, lamb and pork. And it's a vegetarian's nightmare. You know, <laughs> guys coming around with skewers of meat that they're slicing off with another sword and you're like chewing off the bone. It is you, you end up with this just like, you know, mess of a plate. All I could think of was my best friend who's a vegetarian looking at this and being like, you people are animals. <laughs> you are animals. <laughs> but it was it was amazing. It was so good. Did you buy a dining package or was it like a la carte? It was a la carte. I'm trying to remember if on the four day, they must have had a dining package, probably like a three day dining package that you could buy. Um, But I went into this determined that because I didn't originally plan to go on this cruise since I had just done one a few weeks earlier, that I was really going to do it as cheap as possible. I wouldn't have even gone to Moderno if my friends hadn't wanted to. I would have been perfectly happy eating just in the main dining rooms um, or the other, you know, there's other venues on board. I would have been perfectly happy doing that all week. Let's talk about entertainment on this four night sailing. Aside from the casino, how was it? Well, it was good. They had two shows. Um, we only, the only one we saw was burn the floor. I had seen burn the floor on another ship. I believe it was breakaway. So I didn't really care if I went or not, but they wanted to go. So I went and it turned out, I'm really glad I did. It the show had been completely re-envisioned since the last time I saw it. So it was almost like seeing a whole new show. It is a little bit long. Like, I know you're, you know, kind of like the guy who 10 minutes into the show is like, okay, I'm done. Let's go do something else. <laughs> this would have, for the first 10 minutes, you would have been like, ooh, look, sparkly lights and, you know, swiveling hips and cha-cha music. And you would have been really into it. And then you would have been like, okay, are you going to do something other than swivel your hips? Because <laughs> 45 minutes of swiveling hips and, you know, music that all sounds kind of the same, it, it was a little bit long. But it was still a great show. They're so energetic. And and um, what a lot of people don't know about Burn the Floor is that it's not just a dance show. They also have singers and stuff. So it's it's pretty cool. That was That was very good. The other show on this sailing was um, Million Dollar Quartet, mm-hmm. which is like one of those Frankie Valley kind of shows. And I just thought about going, but then I sat down in the casino and said, never mind, and, and did that instead. The other thing I will say, and I have experienced this on several Breakaway class ships, it was on the Escape, it was on the get, uh, Getaway, and on Breakaway. If you're wandering around at night, there is just music everywhere. It's awesome. They had a fantastic piano player in the Sugarcane Mojito Bar. They had um, a band playing in the atrium. They had another, they have Howl with the Moon, which is the dueling pianos. Just everywhere you go. And you can just easily grab a drink and bop around from, from you know, and find your music. One of the women we were with was really just, she loved the music that the, I guess you'd call it kind of like the house band. They rotated from into various bars and stuff. And she just every night figured out where they were playing and sat there and listened to them all night and loved it. It, it was very, very good entertainment. Man, ever since you met Frankie Valley about a year ago, you've been you've been a real <laughs> snob when it comes to uh, the Broadway shows on the uh, cruise ships. You know, I think I think he blew me off. You know, like I was looking forward to getting a picture with him or something, and and he kind of was like, you know, you know, he he came in the room for like two minutes and then left and didn't take pictures with any of us. And I think since I think he's ruined me. I think he's broken me for any kind of like you know the Four Seasons or Frankie Valley, Million Dollar Quartet, Jersey Boys. None of them. They're they're all dead to me. You are dead to me frankie yes <laughs> so uh, how was the ship on sea days as far as crowds and congestion uh, it was great you know the only time i really noticed crowding was in the atrium especially there was one big disappointment on this ship for me and that was this one of the things i love i talk about it every time i do one of these ships i love 
going to Spice H2O late at night when they have the dance parties going on, you know, whether it's the 80s party or the glow party or whatever. I love that. It's one of my favorite things. The two parties that they had, one was the glow party and one was the 80s party, both they moved inside because of inclement weather. Mm -hmm. So they ended up moving to, I think one went to Bliss and one went to the atrium. And it's just not at all the same experience. I mean, the the 80s party in the atrium was just crowded and sweaty. And I'm sure people had a great time. They were all dancing and listening to the music. and But it wasn't really my thing. That was the only time I noticed crowding, really. The rest of the time, oh, that and Deal or No Deal. On the last C-Day, when we went to play, I went to play Deal or No Deal, packed. The atrium was packed. But it was fun. It was one of those times when... You know how a lot of times you get to the atrium or wherever you're going, the nightclub, and it's too crowded and it's annoying? Mm -hmm. This was one of those times when you went to the atrium and everybody was having fun and everybody was into Deal or No Deal. The the cruise director, Vincent, did an amazing job with it and just really got the crowd worked up. It was a blast. The casino in the smoke situation, is this one of the ships that have like the partitioned area off for smoking? It is not. Okay. Um, and this is a problem that the breakaway class ships have. The central area of the breakaway class ships is called 678. And the casino is on deck seven, and it circles the entire um, sort of center of the ship. And the smoke definitely drifts down to six and up to eight. And, you know, they've had complaints about this, and it's something they've addressed with with the ships moving forward. The other problem that a lot of smokers complained about on this ship was that it's it's not smoker friendly in that the casino is the main place to smoke, um, but they will not let you smoke unless you're gambling. So it's not like on some of the carnival ships where they have, um, you know, you can smoke at the bar, mm-hmm. um, that kind of thing. Here, if, if they constantly are announcing, if you are not gambling, you can't be smoking. And they they do kind of enforce it. Like they walk around and tell people. So the only real smoking area is Well, they have a smoking room, like on most of these ships, but here they do not allow you to smoke cigarettes in the cigar room. Even though it's called a cigar room on all the ships, they usually let you smoke cigarettes in there. They specifically do not let you smoke cigarettes in there. You can only smoke cigars. So there's like one smoking spot up at um, H2 or, yeah, Spice H2O. And there's an enclosed area by the pool where you can smoke. But it's not it's not like some of the other like even Gem has, which is a much smaller ship, has a huge area um, that overlooks the pool that is dedicated to, you know, it's a bar. It's got a bar and everything and it's dedicated to smokers. This was not um, I heard a lot of smokers complaining that this was not a particularly smoker friendly ship. How is the connection with the water on the ship? It's good because this is one of the ships that has the waterfront, which they introduced, I think, with the breakaway. So there's lots of restaurants along there that if you want to eat outside, you can. There's plenty of seating outside. There's, I think, two or three bars have an outdoor area where you can, you know, they have outdoor bars. Uh, and, of course, Spice H2O is the, the the whole back of the ship is a great open area that's got lounge chairs and is devoted to, you know, the, there's a bar. So it's there's it's pretty easy to connect to the sea on this ship. The big ships, that is one thing that they do really well on the uh, breakaway class. How about the pool area? Crowded, um, despite the fact that we really didn't have good weather for this trip. It was cloudy and rainy almost the entire time. I think the one time the sun came out, and it got like actually hot was 
as we were leaving Bermuda. It rained the entire day we were in Bermuda, but as soon as we got on the ship and started to sail away, the sun came out and everybody's like, oh yeah, sure, now you come out. <laughs> but um, but the main pool area, it, it, even despite the, the fact that we didn't have great weather, was, was pretty crowded. Hmm. Speaking of Bermuda, how was Bermuda? You said there was a little overcast there. Yeah, it was. We woke up when we first arrived in Bermuda. It was it was kind of raining heavily. And I was like, oh, this is going to be not fun. But it sort of cleared up. We had a cloudy day, some drizzle. We hired a guy called the Calypso Cowboy. Um, You can go online and if you search for either Cowboy in Bermuda or Calypso Cowboy Bermuda, normally he's a cab driver, but he also hires out as a tour guide. (laughs) And I think it was $50 an hour. We hired him for like four hours or something. And he took us all over the island. And what's really cool about this guy, his name is Arthur, is he is a lifelong resident of the island and he knows everything about it. And, you know, whether you wanted to hear about like like if you asked him questions about the political history of the island, he knew it. If you asked him questions and you could tell him specifically where you wanted to go, like like we because it wasn't a great day, we only went to one beach where we were only there for like 10 minutes. We just wanted to get pictures on the beach. But we went to see an abandoned church. We went to see just all over the island. I can't even tell you how much of the island we saw in four or five hours. It was amazing. I can't recommend this guy enough. He was he was awesome. And it was a, a really – the cool thing was I'm going back to Bermuda you know, probably next year, and I'll be there for two or three days. It's one of those cruises that stays a couple days. This gave me a great idea of like some of the places that I want to actually go and explore while I'm there. I love the fact that he calls himself the Calypso Cowboy. Yeah, it's very memorable. And like I said, he's he's really easy to find because even if you don't remember Calypso, if you just search Bermuda and Cowboy, because I tested it right before the show, if you search Bermuda and Cowboy, he comes up. All right. Did you get to, I know sometimes the pink sand doesn't show itself. If it's overcast, did you get to see any of the pink sand? Did not really see pink sand. Um, like I said, we were only, we went to one small beach for a little while. We drove past a couple of beaches. We drove past Horseshoe Beach and what's the other one? Starts with the T. Um, sure. Whatever. I want to say Tobacco <laughs> Beach, but I don't think that's it. We drove past some of them and saw them, but uh, no, we we didn't really see pink sand, or at least I didn't notice it if it was. Gotcha. So uh, you make your way back to New York City from Bermuda. Would you have a sea day between? Yeah, we had, let's see, we left on Tuesday evening, Wednesday was a sea day, Thursday we were in Bermuda, and then Friday we were at sea and arrived back at port early Saturday morning. All right, so you get back to Manhattan. How was debark? Again, this is another first for me. Usually I um, am one of the first people off the ship, and you know, often because the trips I take end on, on like a Monday or a Tuesday, so I need to get to the office. This one we got back on Saturday morning, and we sort of decided – that we were not going to rush off the ship because I have done the big ships before and disembarkation can be nightmarish. I mean, and I mean just bad. Like my first disembarkation off a breakaway class ship, which was the breakaway was so bad. It left the worst taste in my mouth. And I was like, I didn't know if I'd ever want to cruise again. It was that bad. So instead we hung out and, um, sure enough, we were listening to the announcements that the uh, cruise director was making, and he kept over and over again saying, you know, if your color hasn't been called, please don't come down. We're getting jammed, blah, blah, blah. So we waited until, you know, several hours into the deparkation process. We just hung out. Um, we slipped the room steward a little money and said, yeah, we're just going to hang out here for a while so he didn't kick us out. And uh, and by the time we went down, it was like, you know, five-minute walk-off. It was, it was easy. So I'm really glad we did that. 
I don't remember if you and I were talking about this, but a $20 bill on a cruise ship will get you a long way. It'll get you anything. I mean, you give $20 to your room steward and he will, you know, let you sit in that room for an extra hour on debarkation. You give it to a bartender. He will catch your eye every time you come back. Um, Tipping, you know, tip often and tip well, and you will you will never have a bad experience. Well, and I probably shouldn't be saying this, but even like in the ports, if I tip someone like a $20 bill or hand them a 20 and a handshake, they'll turn their back when I'm flying my drone. Yeah, you know? yeah, easily. Uh, it's it's you know, money money talks yeah. and it talks it's it talks well. <laughs> well, let's look back on this four-night cruise. Do you have any first-time tips to give people sailing? The thing to know about a four-night cruise, I think, um and this is also similar for like two-night cruises and one-night cruises, but we don't get a lot of four-night cruises out of Manhattan. And this was without a doubt, especially the first 24 hours or so. You could feel that that people wanted to cram as much fun in as they possibly could. And by much as much fun as they could, I mean as much alcohol into their system as they possibly could. So I think if I had a tip, it would be don't go to one of the crowded bars if you want to have a, a drink and you don't want to wait forever for it and you want to like actually not be in a madhouse. You know, there's plenty of bars that are spaced all throughout the ship. Look on the on the um, daily program, see what bars are open, and go find one of the quiet ones and actually enjoy yourself as opposed to screaming for a drink in the atrium, which is the first thing that people walk into. Did you have the drink package on this cruise? I did. I I had it, and uh, I was grateful for it. <laughs> and how about the internet connectivity? Spotty. You know, both the gem, the gem. It was nightmarish. The gem was terrible. I um I had terrible, terrible, terrible internet the entire ten days I was on there. The getaway was a little bit better, but I think the reason I felt like it was better was I didn't need it as much. You know, you really notice how bad or good service is when you need it. I would say one other thing about this ship that sort of stood out for me, and that is this. You could tell that um, there have been cutbacks and certainly in staffing. Like the casino after about midnight was just a mess. There were overflowing ashtrays and empty glasses and, you know, plates. It was just and, – and you saw that more than I'm used to seeing on a ship. You know, you saw things in the elevators or things left places. It just it – just, they didn't seem to have quite the um, the, the level of, of – cleanup crew that you that you usually encounter. And I don't know if that was because it was just a four day and some people, you know, maybe they let people have that off or if it's that a sign that maybe they need to step up their game a little bit. Norwegian has been testing taking towel animals away. Were they on your sailing? None. Well, I shouldn't say none. There were towel animals, but they were behind glass and for sale. Okay. (laughs) That's that's one way to do it, I guess. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. I thought it was kind of rude to like have all these towel animals around like with signs on them saying, you know, buy me for twenty nine ninety nine. You know, really? Because I thought maybe you would just put one in my room for free. That's what I usually get. <laughs> oh, in closing here, final thoughts of Norwegian getaway. It was a great time. Unlike the escape, which I kind of said I probably wouldn't do again. This one I would do again in a heartbeat. I had a, a really good time. It was a good ship for four days been talking with Richard Sims about his latest four-night cruise to Bermuda on Norwegian Getaway. By the way, if you want to read Richard's trip reports, I'll link them up in the show notes at cruiseradio.net. Very detailed there. Um, when's your next sailing, Richard? Uh, 154 days. <laughs> Not that you're Not counting that or anything. Counting. Right. <laughs> Man, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate you as always. Thanks for having me as always. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? 
Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Let's see what we've got for you. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.